This is from Genesis chapter 48. After this, Joseph was told, behold, your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And it was told to Jacob, your son Joseph has come to see you. Then Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you and I will make of you a company of peoples and will give this land to your offspring after you for everlasting possession. And now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. Ephraim and Massaneh shall be mine as Reuben and Simeon are. And the children that you fathered after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. As for me, when I came from Padan, to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan on the way, when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, and I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, who are these? Joseph said to his father, they're my sons whom God has given me here. And he said, bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now that the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see, so Joseph brought them near him and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expect to see your face and behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Then Joseph removed them from his knees and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim on his right hand towards Israel's left hand and Massaneh on his left hand towards Israel's right hand and brought them near him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Messaneh, crossing his hands, for Messaneh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys, and in them let my name be carried on, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Great. Thanks, Maggie, very much. If you have a Bible to hand or you have that open um, somewhere, Genesis 48 and 49 open, that might be useful as we go through. Um, it's a real pleasure to be with you for these next two weeks as we come to the, to the end of this epic story in Genesis. And one thing that I found surprising is that the way in which this ancient story is so relevant to us today because it answers deep questions about meaning, about purpose and about direction. And I think lots of people are struggling at the moment, aren't they, with questions like that. People say they've lost a sense of direction, purpose uh, or meaning in life. The word Genesis, you may know, means uh, origin or beginning. So it's a book that takes us all the way back to the beginning of God's dealings with humanity in order to show us the big story that we are part of. The dominant narrative in all of history, that's what 
uh, Genesis is here to, to show us. It's an ambitious aim, but hopefully we'll see that as we look at these last few chapters together. And the last section of the book, the last three chapters, is built around two deaths, uh, the deaths of the main characters, Jacob and Joseph, and their last recorded words. And yet somehow it manages to be a happy ending. And I think it's the words of Jacob and Joseph uh, that give us the key to making sense of this whole extraordinary story of this, this messy family. Now, this afternoon, for example, we'll see that somehow, after all that's happened, Jacob dies a happy man. And I think the thing that makes that possible for him is God's promise to him. So that's why I want to begin to God's promise uh, to Jacob. Uh, here he is on his deathbed. He takes a, a deep breath. He summons all his strength. And what is it that he wants to use his last few breaths to talk about? Well, verse three, Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, behold, I'll make you fruitful and multiply you. I'll make you a company of peoples and I'll give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. Saying, Joseph, if you want to understand me, here's the thing you need to remember about my life. God made me a promise. God blessed him. God promised a people, huge numbers of descendants and promised him a land, promised him a forever home. If you read through the whole book of Genesis, those promises have become very familiar. They're like the theme tune that comes again and again, first to Abraham, then to Isaac, and then to Jacob himself. And Jacob seems to be saying, this is the big thing to remember about me, Joseph. If you want to write an obituary, or if you have to put a sentence on my gravestone, and you've just got room for one sentence, then this is it. Here lies Jacob. God made him a promise. Now, we know, of course, lots of other things happened to Jacob. You would have seen lots of things happening to him over the last few weeks. He had a torrid time, didn't he? But as he looks back now at the end of his life, the thing that he says is most important is God's promise. And therefore, he sees, he begins to see his life very differently. So first of all, he sees how God's promise makes sense of his past. God's promise makes sense of Jacob's past. Uh, as he looks back to the promise, he now sees that the rest of his life is actually a story about God fulfilling that promise. He thought he'd lost a son, didn't he, for, uh, for many years. Now he feels as though God is giving him more than he ever hoped for. So verse 11, he says uh, to Joseph, I never expected to see your face, but God has let me see your offspring also. God has let me. He now sees God is at work uh, fulfilling his promise. This isn't complete fulfillment, obviously. Uh, we're nowhere near a, a huge number of descendants. But as he sees the 12 sons once again, plus two bonus grandchildren uh, that he never thought he would see, he's convinced that the promise is live and God is working it out. I think he expresses this most fully and passionately in verse 15, a remarkable summary of his life. As he comes to bless his grandsons, uh, look how he describes God. It's a wonderful description. The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who's been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. He looks way back to Abraham and Isaac, the other men who received the promise. 
And then he says that remarkable line, God has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. That's quite something when you consider all he's been through. And it's very different from the account he gave to Pharaoh back in chapter 47, where he said, few and evil have been the days of my life. Now he says, God, the promise maker, has been shepherding me through absolutely everything. So Jacob looks back with joy. And as he comes to bless his grandsons, there are echoes here of the time when uh, Jacob himself cheated his way to being blessed by his father, Isaac. Again, the younger uh, being blessed instead of the older. Now, there's some mystery here. I don't know why Jacob chooses to bless. He sort of crosses his hands and, and bless the younger. But I think overall what he's doing is overcorrecting the problem that he's lived with for so many years. He had 12 sons and for many years he thought that had been reduced to 11. In Jacob's mind, there was this gaping hole in the middle of the family. At the family dinner table, there was an empty chair. And Jacob had been inconsolable about the loss of Joseph. We read a few chapters earlier, all his sons and daughters rose up to comfort him but he refused to be comforted and said, no, I shall go down to Sheol to my son, mourning. The loss of Joseph had ripped him apart to the point where he says, my life, all my life now is just about mourning my son until I die. It's utter despair. But now he's filling that hole in the midst of the family. He's overfilling it. So where there was one empty chair at the family dinner table before, he now replaces it with three occupied chairs. Joseph plus the two grandsons. He's dying a happy man. He's seen Joseph. He's seen his grandsons, although not very clearly. By all accounts, his eyesight's pretty bad. Um, but the thing he sees most clearly of all is God's promise has been worked out through all the ups and downs. I think Jacob's words here teach us about how to understand the book of Genesis um, uh, generally. It's not a book about individuals, about Abraham or Isaac or, or Jacob, not about Joseph and his coat. It is about God making an extraordinary promise and then through all sorts of strange circumstances, keeping it, fulfilling it. So that however else you might want to describe God, Genesis says we should describe him as the promise maker and the promise keeper. I think that's why so often later books of the Bible refer to God as the God of, Isaac, uh, of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. That's a poetic or personal way of saying the God who made promises to this family. And that truth enables us to make sense of all the ups and downs of world history. This is the overarching narrative of what's happening in the world. So God's promise makes sense of Jacob's past now, up until this, his last day. But more important than making sense of the past is, is having hope for the future. So let's move on to that now. Secondly, God's promise gives certainty to the future. Uh, there are a number of ways, I think, in which we see this in what Jacob does and, and what he says here. First, in this whole idea of blessing, which I think to us culturally is a, a strange sort of idea, isn't it? Bless is quite a cheap word, I think, these days. We use it when people sneeze uh, or when we see sort of cute photos of babies or uh, animals and so on. But clearly blessing means a lot in this scene and the way it's told. The narrative slows down for this ceremony, doesn't it? The, the choreography is, very, is, is described in great detail. It's like some sort of parliamentary ritual or, or a coronation. 
is clearly significant. It has a sort of gravitas to it. But the idea of blessing is, is only important if God is still actually engaged in this family, if he's still interested in them and, and working through them. It's a bit like the Olympic uh, torch and, and blessing sort of get, or the, the torch gets handed on to, to the next runner. If God isn't committed to sticking with this family, then there's no flame burning. And it's just an elaborate and frankly, slightly embarrassing waste of time, like passing on a flameless Olympic torch. But the promise is live. God has promised to be committed to this family. And so the blessing is passed on to the next generation. And we see the epicenter, we see the focus of God's activity moving on to the next generation. And Jacob knows that, doesn't he? And he knows that God's purposes don't die with him, but the story rolls on. So have a look at verse 21, for example, of that chapter. Israel said to Joseph, behold, I'm about to, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. See, because of God's promise, this blessing is a big deal and it flows on from one generation uh, to the next. And in a far more tangible way, we see certainty for the future in, in the significance of the 12 sons. And um, we didn't read uh, chapter 49, but in chapter 49, Jacob brings in the, the, all the 12 and he goes through them one by one, uh, blessing them by name. And they are a disastrous bunch of boys, aren't they, in many ways. Uh, but seen through the lens of God's promises, Jacob now sees that they are, in fact, the foundation, uh, the building blocks for this great people, the great nation. And that's why we get that elaborate blessing ceremony in chapter 49. Uh, and uh, chapter 49, verse 28, makes it clear how significant these uh, men really were. So after this long speech Jacob, Jacob makes, we get this significant detail. All these, that is all these sons, are the 12 tribes of Israel. And those names of his children would become household names uh, in the future of the nation, the famous names of the tribes. Uh, Jacob didn't know much detail about how that was going to come about, but he's confident enough to talk of their great fruitfulness. He knows great things are going to come from these 12. As he looks at his offspring, as he remembers the promise, he has absolute certainty about the future. Uh, we talk sometimes, don't we, about people seeing things through rose-tinted spectacles, uh, probably something we need to try and do a bit more of uh, these days. And um, Here is Jacob putting his promise-tinted spectacles on, and it transforms the way he sees the world. His view of the past and his view of the future, he now sees an exciting story of God working out his promise. But we need to ask, well, well so what? Here's Jacob doing these things uh, many centuries ago. What's the significance for us? Well, let's start by imagining um, Israelites a few centuries later, reading this book of Genesis, um, looking back on their family history. And just imagine how it would shape their sense of identity to understand that this was their origin. This is where they came from. This is their ancestry. To know their family history is nothing less than God's unfolding purpose in, in the world. To know that they actually are living, breathing evidence of the continuing faithfulness of God. 
centuries of people who, who can say, along with Jacob, God has been our shepherd all our life long to this day. Can you imagine that the confidence that would give them? Or their sense of purpose and meaning, that they're belonging, their place in the world? You can imagine how it would shape their hope for the future too. We are the children of Abraham, they can say. We belong to the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. We collectively carry that flaming torch of his promise down through generations. And if you have a sense of what they might have felt, well, then we need to say this is not actually just a Jewish story to be traced through kind of genetic descendants from the 12 tribes. This is a Christian story. And Christians from every tribe and nation are grafted on to this family history. Such that any one of us, if we are Christian, can say, this is my family history. This is the story from which I have come. And that's it. Sounds like a, a huge claim, doesn't it? But So here, let's hear it from the Apostle Paul, who writes these words in Galatians chapter 3. He says, Know then, it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. See, what he's saying there is, this is if you're a person of faith, this is your family history now. You receive that flaming torch of God's promise. And so to understand our place in God's world, we too need to see the world through promise-tinted spectacles. To know that however hard life gets, even while we look around and, and see the mess, well, we know and we can see the particular way in which God is working. He's working towards fulfilling these promises, moving them forward towards glorious fulfillment. How important that is in these difficult days that we're experiencing. This is the overarching, this is the headline story of history. And of course that goes for our view of the future too. It should give us great confidence. And the Bible kind of undergirds that confidence because those names that Jacob lists in chapter 49, the names of his 12 sons, reappear at the very end of the Bible. So Revelation 21, describing the new Jerusalem, the ultimate forever home, for God's people, uh, says uh, these amazing words. He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels, and on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. So we see the threads then from the, the, the continuity of God's plans and purposes from the very beginning of the Bible, those promises made to this family all the way through to the very end fulfilled ultimately in the new creation it's one great story and in christ we are brought into it and ultimately therefore every one of god's people will one day be able to look back at all of history and we can echo that amazing testimony of jacob's god has been our shepherd all our life long and has redeemed us from all evil. And shall I close with a short prayer? Our thank our Father, we thank you that this ancient story still, still has so much to say to us today, that it um, shows us what your purpose for your people and for your world is. And we thank you for the way in which you have been 
so steadily faithful through so many centuries. Thank you that we who might not be of Jewish descent can uh, nevertheless share in these promises and can make sense of what you've done through history and what you are going to do. And pray you give us confidence, particularly in a time uh, where there are so many challenges in everyday life. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.